You're listening to ADHD Diversified, part of the ADHD Rewired Podcast Network. I'm your host, MJ, a Canadian-born Asian with ADHD. Here on ADHD Diversified, we're not just sharing stories, we're diversifying the voices, the experiences, and the way we share those stories. We know ADHD is not defined by skin color, ethnic background, or where we are on the globe. But how we navigate with our ADHD, if it gets recognized at all, can be determined by our environments, upbringing, and culture, especially in underrepresented communities. It's not just about awareness, it's about opening the conversation and turning awareness into acceptance. Because no matter who we are or where we are from, we are all allowed to ADHD in the unique ways that we do. So if you have ADHD and you're wondering where you fit in, you're in the right place. Find out more on our website at ADHDdiversified.ca. Anyway, transitions are hard, so enough with the intro and let's jump in. Right, we're here, it's June, and I feel like I've been having mental health hiccups for weeks, but I'm hopeful for the second half of the year to be full of awesome, and maybe less hiccups. Anyway, I'm diving a bit deeper into a topic that's come up in past episodes. If you've been following this twisting, bumping journey of mine since the beginning while listening to this show, you've probably heard me use the term model minority, and if you're a first-time listener, Welcome! You too may have heard the term model minority, but outside of this show. But if you haven't heard it, well, here we are. Also, what's up fellow Asians? I'm sure you've heard it too. Again, I've mentioned it in past episodes, but I haven't really gone into depth with it yet. Well, this episode will be that episode where we dive into it a little bit. Today's focus will be on, you guessed it, the model minority, and why the phrase model minority itself can be damaging to those of us in the Asian community who are doing our best to manage and navigate our lives with our mental health. First, let's break the term model minority down into its two words. We'll start off with the word model. According to the Cambridge Dictionary, applied in this context, a model is something that a copy can be based on because it is an extremely good example of its type. And according to dictionary.com, the word model is worthy to serve as a model or exemplary, like a model student. Then there's the word minority, the second word in the phrase. In the Cambridge Dictionary, the word minority means a smaller number or part. So in this context, that kind of does apply with what we're talking about here. Um, We're looking at the word minority in terms of racial or ethnic groups. Now, according to dictionary.com, the word minorities refers to a racial, ethnic, religious, or social subdivision of a society that is subordinated in political, financial, or social power by the dominant group. Similarly, the Oxford Dictionary says um, minority refers to a small group within a community or a country that is different because of race, religion, language, etc. I think that's a pretty good breakdown. Now, there are a few definitions around the internet and elsewhere of what exactly the model minority is and what it means, and here's what I found. So the term came about on January 9th of 1966 by William Peterson. He was a University of California Berkeley sociologist. Now, William had written an article for the New York Times titled Success Story, Japanese American Style, 
The significance of this article primarily cites Japanese Americans' achievements in education and being successful as compared to being a part of what was also called the problem minority. Ugh, that's, that's really icky. And so doing some further reading, um, according to the Harvard Law School Center on the Legal Profession, the term model minority has been used to refer to a minority group perceived as successful in contrast with other minority groups. Yep, same ickiness. Their article goes on to say that the model minority designation is often applied to Asian Americans, who as a group are often praised for apparent success across academic, economic, and cultural domains. Then, you know, there's the portrayal of Asians in the media, whether East Asian or South Asian or from the Pacific Islands. We've all kind of been lumped together in this definition or perceived thing of the model minority being obedient, um, intelligent, educated, law-abiding. Yet we're also portrayed sometimes as socially awkward and nerdy and usually not the cool kid in school or usually like we're the kid that gets beat up in school. So yeah, pros and cons to the label, I guess, but it's exactly that, just a label. But like, what's so bad about it? And who wouldn't want to have positive stereotypes applied to them? You know, studious, diligent, hardworking, blah, 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 all that perceived good jazz. And I've heard this before, like, oh, well then it's not that bad. Come on, you should be grateful that you have this stereotype. All right, first of all, I get it. Like, of course people want to be perceived as successful and smart and that things come easy for them. I mean, I've had the same thoughts, you know, like in high school, my other Asian friends, I swear, it just seemed like school came so damn easy for them and it just was not easy for me. But what makes this label or stereotype so dangerous, and I say dangerous very deliberately, is that it undermines and has historically undermined the difficulties that people who look like me face all the time. And then there's this idea that things just come naturally easy for Asian folks. Like, oh, you're Asian, that's easy for you. Oh, you're Asian, of course you're good at math. Or, you know, that we're more privileged than other minority groups or this or that. Like, honestly, even in the best of circumstances, a lot of the time it's not true. There are so many areas where this myth just falls flat. Because what about those of us who don't fit the idea of the model minority? Yeah, it's a stereotype. And there's a lot more of us that quote-unquote fall short of this term than people might think. So, you know, um, as an Asian Canadian with ADHD, there's no way that I fit the model minority stereotype or whatever. What I am encouraged by, though, is that I'm seeing more and more of us come out and reach out for help and really putting in some effort to find communities where we can be open about our ADHD and our mental health and where we can actually voice out what we struggle with. But it's not, it really isn't always sunshine and rainbows because no matter what or where, this idea of the model minority, you know, whether folks are familiar with it or not, you know, it seems to come up kind of in passive aggressive ways and in ways that aren't helpful or useful. Actually, they can be pretty they can make us feel really shamed, you know? Um, I've read through some posts and articles online from my Asian peers who have ADHD, and these are people from all over the world. The general consensus that I've sort of gotten is that we've been boxed into some of the ideas that I expressed earlier and in past episodes that, like, we're just supposed to be able to do stuff, you know? 
And when we finally have an opportunity to step outside our cultural norm of being quiet and in the background, and when we're being given a chance to speak out about our individual experiences, well, we can be very easily dismissed. I've watched it happen, I've seen it happen, and it's happened to me too. Sure, it might look like we have it all together, but there's a pretty strong chance that we don't. We have to work tirelessly to maintain what we've managed to achieve. And if we're trying something new, we double down on the work. Not because we want to, but because we have to. At least, I feel like I've had to anyway. And if we do need help, especially if it's mental health related, well, the statistics show that we are three times less likely to seek help for our mental health. And even when we do decide to take that step, there's the added weight of finding a provider who demonstrates cultural competence and has a sense of cultural sensitivity, according to an article written on the Anxiety and Depression Association of America. You know, someone who provides care to patients with diverse values, beliefs, behaviors, and social, cultural, and linguistic needs. It's just another barrier in addition to all of these quote-unquote positive stereotypes and myths that we're supposed to exemplify when we are trying to find support for our mental health. And for some people, you know, when they finally do break out of their shells that have kept them silent and find support, well, from within our own communities, we're either complaining or ungrateful for being here or delinquent. Then from outside perspectives, there's an idea that we might be too well off to have a right to seek help. And because we all present so differently, whether it's ADHD or any other mental health issue, we may either, you know, present as severe, which I did, um, or continue to mask even though we've sought mental health support, which I've also done. And I still do. Um, you know, I, I do still mask at times, even in spaces that allow for us to just be ourselves kind of out of habit. And that comes from, you know, some of the stories that I still tell myself about who I'm supposed to be versus the person I really am. Now, when this happens, that can't be helpful either. And because the thing is, is if we're not aware that we're masking and we're, you know, utilizing mental health services or trying to be open, but then we get dismissed, what happens after that? Well, depending on the cultural competence and how much we as the support seekers are able to disclose, it can lead to an incorrect diagnosis or no diagnosis or a diagnosis but a lack of treatment. And then after that, it can potentially feel invalidating. It can potentially be disheartening, discouraging. It could make someone doubt themselves and think they're crazy. It can lead to being or feeling disillusioned about the systems that are meant to help those who are suffering or struggling. It might even cause someone to lose hope. Then what happens when hope is lost? Everything compounded, all of those negative effects. That can lead to feelings of even more self-doubt, more inadequacy, and in the worst case scenario, suicidality. And that's horrifying. I mean, I went undiagnosed for years. I was just this hyperactive yet daydreamy kid who couldn't concentrate and never get her homework done, but if I loved a topic or enjoyed an activity and I was really, really good at it, like, you'd bet that I was immersed in it. I wonder how many more are like me or were like me that just didn't have any idea. And I wonder for how many people that it's too late. I haven't talked about this yet, but, you know, when I was an adolescent, I felt so misunderstood and so unseen 
and so invalidated and invisible that I really was stuck in the mindset as a teen that I would not make it to 16. You know, my undiagnosed ADHD, now that I know, um, I was so emotionally dysregulated that some of my behaviors were shrugged off as being crazy or being a typical teenager or worse. You know, being typically MJ, whatever the hell that meant at the time, or ungrateful or the usual ADHD labels, just lazy and a waste of potential. Internally, um, there's a lot of suicidal ideation and self-harm, you know, that went on in my brain. And really, to my core, I just believed, like, what's the point? No one gets it. And I saw other people getting help, especially, like, in junior high and high school. Like, there was school counselors and stuff. I saw others getting the help I think they needed, I guess. So it didn't seem so bad for them. Well, that was my perception anyway. But to my knowledge, none of them were Asian, you know, the, the people that were seeking help at school. So it just felt, you know, get to 16 years old? That wasn't on my radar. And then I reached 16. And then I reached 18 and 20 and 25 and 30. 30 years old. Man, how long, like, how did it take so long for one person out of all of my acquaintances and encounters and friendships and whatever to finally see my difficulties for what they were and to not see them as shortcomings, but exactly as I've, they were just difficulties. Even at the time, you know, I, I still had that idea, like, I'm just supposed to be able to do stuff and just do them well. It was so ingrained in me that it took me a while to acknowledge that I needed help. Like, yeah, it was a, an idea and it kind of made sense. But yeah, I was a lot more afraid than I let on. And like, I wasn't 16 anymore. I was 30. I was an adult. Like, why would I need help now? As a teen, that probably would have been helpful. But now, why should I need help now? Well, I don't have any regrets. You know, thank goodness I mustered up the willingness with a bit of encouragement, you know, to seek that help. Because if, just if, if my ADHD wasn't recognized even when I was 30, if I hadn't pursued the support that I didn't know that I needed, there's no way that I would have found a way to advocate for myself. And I wouldn't have gotten to know a lot of others who look like me that are struggling the same way that I am. And from so many of the wonderful people and amazing people that I've been able to meet from taking my first step to seek help, they've proven to me that it really is never too late. For all of you listening, if you're a part of the Asian community, whether you're East Asian or South Asian or from the Pacific Islands, it's not too late for you. I, I get it. It's so hard to speak up about seeking help for our mental health. We don't talk about it. We're not supposed to. And it's even harder sometimes, at least for me, to continue to advocate and be open about what has and still does affect me as just one person. It's hard for me to talk about how being Asian has affected the lack of recognition of my own mental health issues growing up. It's hard for me to even acknowledge the racial biases and the idea of the model minority that had me believing that I just had to do everything on my own because it was supposed to come easy for me or something. And now that I'm more and more aware of all of that stuff, 
you know, all the things that held me back, I realized that it has also held so many more of us back and still hold us back. Even when we found community and acceptance and understanding, there's still a lot of work to be done, but it's not too late to start. I encourage you to start speaking up, even if it means starting out in a journal. And if you aren't part of the Asian community, but you're still listening, I really want to encourage you to just please try to understand that, you know, just because we don't fit the general vision or presentations of ADHD or mental health, and just because you don't see the difficulties, just because they're not obvious, and just because we might look like we're doing okay and that we don't need help, please, please understand that we might not be okay. And in fact, many of us still haven't figured out how to be open without the fear of shame and guilt and discrimination and other people's perceptions. And even when we do open up, we might proceed with caution. We may be apprehensive. We might even talk up what we're good at and where we've succeeded because maybe we're making up for our deep-seated shame and perceptions of our own inadequacies or lack of abilities and unspoken negative feelings because being open about all of these struggles culturally, it doesn't come naturally to a lot of us. And even if we have tried and the systems in place that are meant to help us, to help all of us as human beings regardless of who they are, end up failing us or dismissing us or disregarding us, that yeah, our guard might still be up. And it may take a lot for us to let our guards down. The model minority, me personally, I am under the firm belief that it is just a myth. And as long as I continue this journey, and as I continue to reach out, I'm finding more and more who feel they don't fit this model minority either. All this to say, it really is never too late to start. It's never too late to speak up. It's never too late to start listening. And it's never too late to change the narrative. I can only speak for myself, but I want to change this idea of the model minority. I'm going against the label because even then and now, I still don't fit the label. And just because we don't fit a label, that doesn't make us unable. See you next time. Hey friends, it's MJ again. We've come to the end of today's show, but if you're still here, thanks for hanging out. Head over to our website to find show notes and additional resources for today's episode. You can find all of that at ADHDdiversified.ca. There, you'll also find the other podcasts on the ADHD Rewired Podcast Network, ADHD Rewired with Eric Tivers, ADHD Essentials with Brendan Mahan, and Hacking Your ADHD with Will Curb. And the newest addition to the ADHD Rewired Podcast family, check out the ADHD-friendly lifestyle with Moira Maven, now available on your favorite podcast player. You can find all of us at ADHDdiversified.ca. Join me and the rest of the ADHD Rewired podcast family for a live Q&A every second Tuesday of the month. Go to ADHDrewired.com slash events to register. You can subscribe to ADHD Diversified on Apple Podcasts, 
Spotify, or wherever you enjoy listening to your favorite shows. If you want to support diversity and neurodiversity, share this podcast with your friends, family, and whoever you think needs to hear our message. Who knows? Maybe someone's self-advocacy just might start here. And if you like what you hear, we'd really appreciate it if you gave us an honest rating and review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app where you can leave ratings and reviews. Remember, ADHD is not defined by skin color, ethnic background, or where we are on the globe. We all have a story. We all have a voice. And no matter who we are or where we are, we can come together to share our unique experiences. Let's keep the conversation going. Thanks again for being on this journey with me, and we'll talk to you in the next one.